Today's readings brought to mind a Dennis Quaid movie that came out in 2008 called Vantage Point. I'm sure some of you saw it. It's a fictitious story that takes place in Salamanca, Spain, and concerns an assassination attempt that's made there on the president, not Donald Trump, President Henry Ashton, played by actor William Hurt. The president goes to Spain to, atten to attend a summit on global terrorism, and he ends up being a victim of it. As he's giving his opening speech to a large crowd in the Plaza Mayor, there in Salamanca, he's shot. Then a bomb goes off in the plaza a few seconds later. As you might imagine, total chaos ensues, and the question immediately becomes, who did this? Who's responsible for this horrible crime? The audience doesn't find out the answer to the question until the end of the film. After the events are replayed several times, each time from a different person's vantage point, hence the name of the film. Dennis Quaid plays a Secret Service agent, a Secret Service agent assigned to protect the president. We see the assassination attempt through his eyes, through, from his vantage point, as one of the president's bodyguards. Then we see it through the eyes of several other witnesses. Not surprisingly, each person's perspective, each person's, each person's vantage point, is a little bit different. It gives us a little different insight as to who's responsible for the attack. I thought of this movie as I was reflecting on these three scripture readings that the Church gives us this weekend, because in each of them there's a contrast between God's vantage point and the typical vantage point of human beings like you and me. For example, in today's first reading from Numbers 11, Moses gets some help some much-needed help dealing with the Israelites in the desert after the Exodus, who are constantly complaining and driving the poor guy crazy. God tells Moses to assemble 70 of the elders of the people, which he does. Then the Lord anoints these men with some of the spirit that Moses possessed, and they begin to act and speak prophetically. Well, two of the guys who should have been there with the group, Eldad and Medad, weren't, yet they were also blessed with this special anointing from the Lord and prophesied. And that infuriated Joshua when he heard about it. From Joshua's vantage point, these two guys shouldn't have been prophesying because they weren't with the group. Suppose you could say that Joshua had the attitude, you snooze, you lose. You gentlemen were not with the others. You don't deserve to receive what they received. Moses then shares with Joshua God's vantage point on the matter, which basically is, let them alone. They're doing what I want them to do. I wish everyone spoke and acted prophetically like they are doing. The Lord, of course, has that same desire for all of us in 2018. In fact, when we're anointed with chrism at our baptism, we are actually given a share in the prophetic office of Jesus Christ, which means we're called to witness to our faith publicly, not just in church, but publicly, in our daily lives, by our words and by our deeds. 
That means it should be extremely easy for people to recognize the fact that we're Catholic. If they can't, if we speak and act like everybody else, we're obviously not living prophetically the way the Lord wants us to. That brings us to our second reading where we have this lengthy diatribe against the rich courtesy of St. James. He says, Come now, you rich, weep and wail over your impending miseries. Your wealth is rotted away, your clothes have become mothy, etc. After reading this, it should be pretty clear that God's vantage point on money and wealth is a lot different than the typical human vantage point on those realities. Although here we need to make one qualification, one important distinction. Every once in a while you hear somebody say, the Bible tells us that money is the root of all evil. That is not true. What the Bible says is, the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's that love which can very easily enter the human heart that St. James is railing against in this passage. And then we have this Gospel text from Mark chapter 9 which is filled with contrast between God's vantage point and the typical human one. The vantage point of the apostles concerning the man who was expelling demons in the name of Jesus is similar to the vantage point of Joshua with respect to Eldad and Medad. The apostles say to our Lord, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow us. He's not in our group. Jesus then, then responds with the divine vantage point on the issue. He says, Do not prevent him, for whoever is not against us is for us. Now those words should have a practical effect on our life today. They should affect how we look at and how we treat non-Catholic Christians. What's going on in Ireland and other places, Catholics against Ireland, that should not happen. Actually, these words should affect how we look at and how we treat every other person who inhabits planet Earth, regardless of what religion they happen to be. Then Jesus reminds his apostles and us that from God's vantage point, Little things done out of love for him matter, and they matter a lot. From the normal human vantage point, of course, little things matter much less than big things do. That's why so many people these days do outlandish things in public in order to draw attention to themselves and have their 15 minutes of fame. They want to do something really big, something that gets noticed. And finally, Jesus makes the assertion that from God's vantage point, leading another person into sin, knowingly and willingly, is itself a serious sin. A sin that's worthy of what you might call a millstone necktie. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Here I can't help but think about those bad priests and others in our society who've sexually or physically abused young people. That kind of behavior is definitely deserving of a millstone necktie. Which is why we need to pray for abusers as well as for the people they abuse. 
For those who are abused, we need certainly to petition God for their healing and for their peace. But for the abusers, we also need to pray. We need to pray, first of all, that they'll feel remorse for what they've done. And secondly, that they'll sincerely repent for their sins. And thirdly, that they will do as much penance as they possibly can for the rest of their lives so that they don't die with those millstones tied around their necks. Because if they do, there's only one place for them to go. And it's not good. As I hopefully have made clear in this homily, God's vantage point and our vantage point are not always the same. One of the challenges of this life, therefore, is to try to find God's vantage point on things, all things, and to live our lives accordingly. And we do that basically by reading and getting to know the Bible and the Catechism. In fact, that's what the Bible and Catechism are. They're the written expression of God's vantage point, His perspective, on all the important matters of this earthly life and of eternity. So do not ignore the Bible and the Catechism. Don't leave them on your bookshelves collecting dust. Read them often.